Welcome, everybody, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world, Persuasion School. Hello. That is the voice of my beautiful wife, Alexa. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm glad that you could make it. You know, mine too. Yeah. Busy day today. Hey guys, uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Jake Savage. You can learn a little bit more about me if you read the bio on whatever platform that you're listening to. I've got it all clearly spelled out there, but snapshot here, I'm a former door-to-door salesman. I knocked on about 100,000 doors over the course of several years. Transitioned into a sales startup where my job was to build and train a team of salespeople around the country. I was the president there for the last three years. And then in this year, 2021, I launched my own consulting business, helping nonprofits leverage corporate sales methods so they can win bigger donations. And so now what we do also through this podcast, of course, is we teach the masses how to get more of the things that you want in life. So how to be more persuasive, how to be a more effective communicator so that you can get a raise, land the job, get that person to go on a date with you, get the deal, get the donation, negotiate, whatever, just move people to take action. This is one of the most important skills that we can have in life. And we have a lot of fun on the show doing it. We do, we do, we do. Yeah, we do, we do, we do. So Alexa is not in sales. She is a therapist. She joins a lot of the episodes and she usually doesn't know what I'm talking about. When I'm, I mean, she doesn't know what I'm going to talk about. So that way she hears it for <laughs> the first the time. First. What's that? Sometimes I don't know what you're talking about. I guess about. not, yeah. Most but, of the time. She she'll interject with questions if she has any because she's hearing it just as you're hearing it for the first time. So it's very helpful. And she brings some great perspective being a therapist. There's a lot of overlap, too, which we've discovered. There is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. Uh, Like listening to people. (laughs) A lot of listening. A lot of listening. Trying to understand what people's goals and needs are for themselves. Yeah. Helping them to realize how they can go about achieving those goals. Yes. I think you're using persuasion in different ways because at least with the therapy that I do, people want to be there. So they're already bought into that piece. So you're helping them try to navigate their goals and their needs and problem solve and those sorts of things. So yeah, there's a lot of overlap. One thing also that I just thought about while you were saying that is a great quote that uh, I I really love by, I believe this guy's actually a, a famous mathematician, but from back in the day. Uh, he's either from the 1700s or 1800s, but his name is Blaise Pascal, so a French oh, yeah. mathematician. Blaise. Blaise. And he has this quote where he says, uh, people are more often persuaded by reasons they discover themselves rather than those given to them from others. Yes. Which I feel like is what you do with therapy. You're helping people to discover these reasons to persuade themselves to maybe take action action or have a new look through a new lens yeah yeah yeah. it's interesting too because you can say things as a therapist and i feel like the client will be like yeah whatever but then they'll hear it maybe from a friend or a parent or someone they have a better relationship with and they're like oh my mom said this and i'm like i've been saying that the whole time (laughs) but i'm glad you discovered it and realized it so i think or it's a self-discovery thing. I think the the light bulb needs to go off for them in some way. And that yeah. might look more like a self-realization mm. for them. Totally unintended. But I love where this conversation headed because it ties directly into today's Let's keep topic. Let's going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, it, it very much does. And this is how. So what I wanted us to dive into today is, and for anybody that's new here, I love psychology. 
I got started learning about psychology while in sales. Usually all, all the sales training, like corporate teams will put you through, and especially door-to-door sales, happen to do with psychology, just the way that you understand others, the way you get others to understand you, and then even through your body language, tonality, volume, cadence of speech. Like It's, it's so much fun to understand how our brains work and to communicate with other people. And I'm... Uh, I'm in a grad program for, or what, what do you call it? I'm pursuing a master's degree. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm not a school say, person, yeah, but like, I, yeah, I'm trying to study psychology even more. So I get a ton of fun learning about this stuff. And I think you guys should as well. It's definitely going to help you to be more persuasive. So today I wanted to study and for us to dive into, not study, I wanted us to dive into a psychological principle called reactance. So reactance is when a negative feeling occurs when we feel as though our freedom is being taken away from us. Hmm. And how I, what I meant when I said this sort of ties into the conversation was maybe when you're, like during your counseling sessions, there is this sense of reactance because they might feel as though like they're being pushed in in a certain direction by you, their therapist. Mm -hmm. But then when it's brought up organically by a friend, it's no longer like a push and it feels like a pull. Like the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, this this is great. This is a fun idea. But when someone was telling them to do it, they didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing goes for us. If we feel as though someone is trying to rob us of our autonomy or our ability to make a choice, we're going to have this reactance, put this wall up or a barrier. And this is where, I mean, this is where like the classic pushy salesperson comes to mind for so many of us because we put a barrier up and what do most of us do when we encounter barriers? We just push harder. Yeah. Right? Like if you're a car on a steep hill, you're in a car on a steep hill, not you are a car, you, what are you going to do? You're going to give it more gas to get up the steep hill. You know, if your car is stuck in the snow, you get behind it and you try to push, push, push. So what we're going to dive into today is how to essentially shovel out all the snow from underneath the car so that it just rolls forward with ease Hmm. rather than trying to force it. Yeah. All right, so we've got this, yeah. No, that's so interesting because I think so many times in sales interactions, we walk away feeling gross. And I think a lot of it has to do with that loss of autonomy. Yeah. I, that reminded me of, One time I was in Kenya on a mission trip. Hopefully Mm. this connects this dot. But we went to one of the like flea market. What is that? It's called a certain something. It's like a flea market. A lot of tourists. People like just local Kenyans selling like, you know, pottery and paintings and things that they made or created. And this woman that was on the trip with us she was like with her daughter um she spent a lot of money and felt like this dude just totally like took advantage of the fact that she was a tourist which 100 mm. percent, i think a lot of them yeah, do that that's how they make a lot of money yeah yeah um but i just remember this grown woman sobbing on the bus ride back to wherever we were staying mm. and i think i don't even think it was because she spent a lot of money i think it was which it, it may have been but i think it was that feeling that she had like yeah i was taken advantage of so that's kind of what that reminded me of yeah i think there are a lot of people that experience that which leads to buyer's remorse is this and and, you know if you're if you're on the other side of the table like you know i've I've been in sales 14 years and as somebody who I, i i think has a moral compass i have also felt like 
slimy after those interactions where I knew I pushed somebody into making a decision Mm -hmm. and I didn't even feel good about myself afterwards. Then you're creating a lose-lose situation. Yeah, you both walk away feeling crappy. You walk away feeling crappy. Nobody's happy about it. It's certainly not going to lead to more like a more fruitful relationship down the road or more business, right? And if and if you're somebody that's listening to this and you're not in sales, but you want to ask somebody out on a date or try to ask your boss for a raise and negotiate, like you want to you wanna identify ways to create win-win scenarios. And so yeah. that's, that's what we can kind of get into here. Great, great example from the market in Kenya. So many of us feel that way after dealing with a pushy person. Yeah. So, hey, if we're going to be expert persuaders, there should be no sense of pressure, no pushing, We want to utilize the power of effective communication to really holistically listen to what the other people need and then be creative enough to problem solve on our own and collaboratively with them to come up with a win-win scenario. Yeah. All right. So we feel as though our freedom is being taken away from us. We put this wall up. And we actually talked about this in a previous episode, you and I did, where the FBI hostage negotiators said that one of their methods was to preserve the autonomy of the hostage taker. Hmm. So by saying, hey, you can say no to what I'm going to offer at any point. They say that in the beginning to sort of lay a foundation of like, hey, you you still have the power to choose here. And that power of choice is put, plays such a large role in our life that can actually impact our 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 ability to to exist and live and live longer, this power of choice. And and that comes from a study that was done actually in the 1970s by Harvard and Yale. So they teamed up together to run this study in a nursing home in the Boston area Hmm. on the power of choice and how it actually impacts our lives. So what they did was on one floor of the nursing home, they gave all of their residents the ability to choose what furniture they wanted in the room, how they wanted to arrange the furniture in the room, how they wanted to spend their time, whether or not they wanted to connect with other residents and they could all do so on their own time. Uh, They would say, hey, we're having a movie coming up this week, but we're going to offer it on two nights. So you can choose which night you want to attend the movie if you even want to, but no pressure. And they would also say, hey, you have complete freedom to reach out with any questions, comments or suggestions for us. We want you you to feel comfortable living in this facility. Hmm. So that was one floor. Now, on another floor, they intentionally removed all ability to choose from the residents. They couldn't decide where their furniture was going to go. They didn't have a choice whether or not they could go to the movie or which night. They had to show up to the movie. There were only specific this is so hours. Sad. Well, I know this. I know this is. I'm not saying all nursing homes are this way. Right, right, no. And I hope not. It was just for a study. They just removed any ability to choose. So everything from their schedule to the furniture in the room to the events, they they had no ability. Uh, It didn't mention their food preferences, so I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, Just throwing wrenches in this. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks for ruining this. But anyways, um, so here is what happened. The short-term results, the residents on the floor that had the ability to choose, they were more cheerful, more active, an alert far more than the group that didn't have the ability to choose. But the most eye-opening part of the study came about 18 months later when they found that half as many of the residents on the floor with the ability to choose had passed away 
as the floor without the ability to choose. Whoa. Yes. The ability to choose how they wanted to structure their life and their lifestyle led to a longer lifespan. Hmm. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So it just goes to show like the power that this plays on. It's not just that we we want our freedom, like it's physiological, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to feel confined or constrained. And I think that's what leads so many of us to put these barriers up. Without the ability to choose, they actually died sooner. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. So how do we integrate this? What, What are you thinking? Well, I was just thinking too, like, I wonder what happens in our brain when we feel like we have to put those barriers up. Does that make sense? Like, I wonder if that is also a layer of, oh, I'm putting a barrier up here, so maybe I'll put a barrier up with this friend or this relationship or whatever. I don't know if that makes sense, but I wonder if that plays into other aspects and we feel like we always have to have our guard up i wonder what that does physiologically or even to our health if anything i'm not sure no well it does you die (laughs) like it it definitely plays in (laughs) i mean like it's a guaranteed death it's a guaranteed death in 18 months um yeah i'm not sure i mean there are obviously ripple effects of it If you don't even have the ability to choose where you arrange your furniture and that impacts you physiologically, imagine what it's like to not have the ability to choose how you want the course of your life to take place. Yeah. Right. And I think that that resonates with people of all ages, Mm -hmm. obviously in the nursing home example, but also like teenagers. You know, this book that I'm. That, that I read, Catalyst, is a great book on persuasion. But they they talk about this study. They also talk about how one of the main reasons why teenagers started eating Tide Pods back when that whole thing happened was because everyone was telling them not to do it. And then Tide Pods came out with tweets saying, like, don't eat Tide Pods. And they hired some NFL player to come out and also say, don't eat Tide Pods. And then the, the eating of Tide Pods only surged after that. Right, because when we're told not to do something, that's when we want to do it. And most of us oh, are, yeah. are used to that, right? Especially as adolescents. What did the eating of Tide Pods do? What, did it People cause, just like, get high got high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then probably pretty sick. Good. As I would imagine. What is our youth? What's that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay, continue. I would never do that. No, I said, what is our youth thinking? Oh, I thought you said you would do that. Um, oh, no. Like, no, I would not do that. So No, but knock it till you try. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's let's check out these Tide Pods. Um, yeah, what is the youth doing? I'm not sure. I'm just but, kidding. I'm not saying I love the youth. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, all of us do this. Yes. You know, as soon as we're told not to do something, we want to test it out for ourselves and see what it's like. But when we're given the choice, and man, I cannot wait till Sloan. Sloan is our daughter. She's nine months old. I'm so excited to try these things out as she gets older, like giving her the ability to choose. Yeah. To she's do literally something. just going to punch you in the face and say no for everything. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. I think it'll be an interesting uh, little experiment. For yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of experiments. But so when people are trying to um, persuade us to do something and there aren't many options and it's just sort of this straightforward, hey, do you want to do this? We feel that sense of pressure mm. sort of rise up, the sen- sense of anxiety. And that's when the walls start to go up. So if you're going to ask somebody for a raise or ask somebody for a donation or ask to buy something or ask somebody to go on a date with you, It's better to ask than not to ask. That's for sure. We've established that on previous episodes too. It's better to ask than not to ask. But if you just ask straight up, hey, can I have this raise? 
can I have this promotion? Do you want to go on a date with me? That's when some of the barriers can start to arise. So in order to prevent that and reduce that psychological principle of reactance, it's helpful to offer two choices. Hmm. So I was taught this or, or more choices. I was taught this right from the get-go with door-to-door sales. I remember uh, knocking on doors for a couple of weeks when I first started when I was 15, coming back to my boss and saying, hey, you know, I'm having some trouble. I'm getting some leads coming through. I'm getting, getting some wins, but I'm not getting the same amount as some of these other guys. What can I do to improve? And I remember he said, all right, give me your pitch. And I said to him exactly what I'm saying to people on the doors. And he said, all right, what you need to do, you're just asking if, you know, our one of our salespeople can come by to give them an, give them an estimate for new windows. What you need to do is start saying, "Hey, we're we're going to be down the street for your neighbors at 5 p.m." Just ask one of your other coworkers when their last uh, time slot was scheduled for, so that it's accurate. And you'll find somebody, and if they say, "Hey, I just scheduled a time for five. so then you go to your next house and you say, "We're going to be at your neighbors at 5 p.m." It takes about 20 minutes for these estimates for new windows. So do you think 5.30 or maybe a little bit later at 6 would work for you for us to pop over after your neighbors? Mm, yeah. And so I started trying that word for word. I repeated what he said and it my numbers started to skyrocket. That's sure, I still wild. got rejection. Yeah, but as soon as I started saying to people, hey, would 6 or a little bit later, maybe 6.30 or 7 work for you so you can kick your shoes off and, and uh, unwind when you get home from work? Mm. It would be amazing just to watch people sort of shrug their shoulders and nod their head and say, yeah, let's, let's go for 6.30. That sounds good. I'll give wow. me some time to unwind. Giving them the chance. And to, as soon yeah. as they had the, yeah, the choice, they jumped on board. And so that's what I've done for the last 14, 15 years now. I keep saying 14. It's officially 15 years. As of my birthday last week, Woo-hoo. and and I've utilized this, and it's just magical sometimes to watch it happen. But you're creating a win-win scenario. They can still say no. Anybody can say, oh, "I appreciate you offering, but I'm just not really interested at this time." Mm-hmm. But when you offer two options, they're choosing, which preserves their autonomy, preserves their freedom, and you also get to win when they say yes. Yeah. So you're creating a win-win scenario. Another thing that you can do that is also helpful is to frame the two options as hypothetical sometimes. Hmm. And then when they choose one of the options, they convert it to literal, not you. So you're putting them in the driver's seat. So for example, if I, if I work for a nonprofit and I want to ask somebody to donate to our mission, instead of saying, hey, would you be willing to donate $100 today or $1,000 today? I might say something like, hey, if you were to partner with us, just if you were to partner with us, what do you think would make more sense given your circumstances? Maybe a, a one-time a one-time donation of $1,000? Or would it make more sense for you to sign up for some sort of like monthly recurring donation? I'm not sure which would fit better with your finances. Hmm, yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying it hypothetically. I'm saying if we were to, and then I present the two options. And then if you choose one and you say, you know what? I think monthly will be better for my family's finances. Let's do that. Wow. They converted that gives them a lot of control. Literal. Yeah. Huh. What's that? That gives them a lot of control. Gives them all the control. They're not feeling like they're submitting. You're bypassing that barrier. You're preventing the barrier from even coming up in the first place. The yeah. reactance. Huh. Same thing in sales. You know, and, and the, the options don't have to be dollar amounts. It could be anything. Did you want to, you, you know, if we were to move forward today, what do you think? 
would fit better, the blue one or the red one? When would you want to move forward? Within the next week or so? Or do you think maybe holding off until Q3 would work a little bit better? Wow. Asking somebody out on a date, which night works better for you? This Friday or maybe next Thursday? Or even a place? You know, you mm-hmm. prefer Chinese or Mexican food? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we talk about offering the two options. Yeah. Would there be any situation in which hypo- you using the hypothetical would be, would be better than just saying, would 6.30 work or how about 7? Versus like hypothetically if we were to come. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't want to say, I, I wouldn't want to use the, the word hypothetically. Okay. Yeah, I just want to say if we were. If we were. Yeah, it's a little bit more loose and casual. And I'm I'm like fr- I'm framing it in a way that means we're probably going to do this, but it's loose, so you can just sort of feel free to answer like off the cuff and what really sounds good to you. Um, if I say the word hypothetically, it might put too much of like a confines on this conversation, and then I have to work harder to translate that to literal afterwards. Oh, okay. You know what well, they say? Well, hypothetically, I would probably choose Uh, six and then it's like okay well can we make it literal like it it's an extra step for me to take yeah whereas if i say hey if we were to do it what do you think's better six or six thirty and they go ah six thirty like no more conversation needs to be had like they chose it yeah you know yeah so you're also just reading the situation but i think communicating that uh you know sales and persuasion is the transference of emotion so when i typically provide the two options or three options or whatever I'm trying to communicate that like either is good with me and I'm literally like shrugging my shoulders. I might like shake or nod my head to sort of just convey like, hey, no big deal. Uh, Shrugging the shoulders is huge. You're literally conveying through your body language that like it doesn't matter. Either one's cool. And then they they almost want to like emulate that body language and they'll shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. The 630 is great. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. So food for thought. I thought the psychological study was fascinating. That is just fascinating. that it actually extended the lifespan of these individuals, their freedom. So did they just sacrifice a bunch of elderly people that were on the second floor? <laughs> no. I think that was an unintended result. Mm. And, and who knows? Maybe we should look more into it. Maybe many of the nursing homes in the 1970s were operating like the other floor that didn't allow anyone to choose. And so maybe this study actually open the door to extend the lifespans of these uh, people, residents. Yeah. So it's not like they sacrificed them. Maybe it was looking at the other side, Alexa. Yeah, yeah. I hope they do that. So quick and easy today. The next time that you're going to ask somebody for something, try to persuade somebody, influence somebody to take action, negotiate, Frame it as a hypothetical question. Provide two options to prevent that barrier from rising of reactants and create that win-win scenario. Guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more content on persuasive communication, you can find me on Instagram, pretty active on there with different videos and posts about how to be a more effective communicator. So it's at It's Jake Savage. And you can DM me there as well if you ever have any questions that you want answered on the show. So if you do have questions or a topic suggestion, You can find me also on persuasionschoolpodcast.com. You can drop me a line and we will see it there. Last three things that I've been saying at the end of each episode. First, there's a survey up. 
I know people don't like taking surveys, but this is 60 seconds long. It really helps us a lot. If you are a subscriber to Persuasion School or you get value out of it, I I love that you're listening, but it would be hugely helpful for you to take that survey. It just gives us a better understanding of who's listening, what they like about the show, and how we can continue to improve it. Second thing is ratings and reviews. So if you've been listening and getting more of the things that you want, you can help others do the same by just writing either a quick review or even tapping the stars on whatever platform you're listening to. Lastly, Alexa and I are super passionate about fighting human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular. And if you're somebody that's been wanting to get involved, maybe you've heard about this recently and you wanted to fight the good fight but didn't know where to start, who to turn to, which organization to donate to, we wouldn't want you to not do anything due to paralysis by analysis. So you can actually go to persuasionschoolpodcast.com and you can donate straight through our website. And that's a pass-through. We're going to give that straight to our partners that are working on that uh, that mission both here in the U.S. and abroad. Or you can always buy a Persuasion School t-shirt that are on the website. 100% of the profits from those also go towards fighting the good fight. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. That's it, everybody. Hope you have an awesome Thursday, Friday, rest of your weekend. We'll catch you on Monday for Monday Q&A. Adios.